Amen. Let's just give God hands and again, thanks so much. Thank you, everybody. So welcome this morning to the Word of God. And uh, actually, the title of my message today is Christ-Centered Life. Um, Christ-Centered Life is part of uh, a draft coverless. And, and I thought I'll just share with you a bit of Christ-centered life as we look at the will of God. Because you cannot separate the will of God from Christ-centered life in our journey. So, my theme this morning, I understood Janus through on how we can actually live. Because for many of us, you keep asking God, how can I know your will? But today I'm saying we are not asking how, I mean we are not asking how do we know your will. Um, we are saying how do we live because we know his will is in the book, in the Bible. His will has been talked so many times. And many times I say, God, are we bothering you so much by asking each and every day that how do we know your will? And today I want to challenge all of us that how do we actually live? That will that we know. So if you brought your Bible today, I would like you to look at the book of Acts chapter 9 from verse 1 to 19. I will not read the whole part, but I'm going to select some portions of that book so that uh, we can straight go, get to the word. The Bible says that meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. For many of us, you've read the soul of Saul before he became brother Paul and later became the apostle Paul. This man was so religious, but yet he was persecuting the church. He was against the word of Christ and he was siding with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and killing those that had faith in Jesus Christ. And you can see here that he's still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. And he went to the high priests and asked for the letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And as he neared Damascus on his journey, Suddenly, a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. Then the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. For the three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. 
And in Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. And Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on the street, on the straight street, and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and to the kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer by name. I'll show him how much he must suffer for my name. You know, you know some things, and, and I'm saying today, sometimes when you talk about the will of God, we always think about the milk and honey. When you think about the will of God, you think things are just going to flow. It's like you've won a lotto. Because when things start to go different direction, we feel discouraged. We feel far away from God. We feel hopeless. And you feel like maybe, maybe it was not the will of God. But now when God is telling you himself that you must suffer for my name, that is even scary for me. That if I choose to serve you, God, if I choose to live your will, if I choose to walk in your steps, and you tell me before even I start that you'll suffer for my sake, I'll take a step back and say, let me just continue to do what I've always done because it's so more comfortable. So friends, as we come to the world this morning, I want to remind us that yes, through the will of God, that God watches over us. God protects us. God takes care of us. It does not guarantee that you'll not face Satan. It does not guarantee that you'll not face the challenges along the way. It does not guarantee that you'll not face bombs on your way. There are many times I think of the children of Israel and God promised them that he's going to give them a land full of honey and milk. And before even they leave Egypt, they found the Red Sea. They found the Red Sea and there was no bridge to cross on the other side. There was no ferry to go on the other side. There was no boat to take them on the other side and they were to go. A journey that has been promised by God for many years from Egypt. And for many of us, we find it so hard to step in the Red Sea to cross on the other end. Because you feel like, God, this is your will. That if it's your will, you should provide a boat for me to cross on the other side. And God is saying, step in the Red Sea cross on the other end. Before you look at the story of Paul, I want us to quickly look at the story, at this story. 
in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, the Lord has said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I'll show you. And it says in verse 10, now there's a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was so severe. Now, I want you to imagine, maybe for some of us you don't understand this, but I want you to imagine that you've been living in Krang for over 75 years. Those of us who are over 75, like Abraham. And let me say over 60, so that I can get most of us. Your pension is not very far. You've been living in Kerrang for the rest of your life. And now, somebody is telling you, even just a very close friend, that to leave Kerrang and move to Emerald in Queensland. And they're not even telling you it's Emerald, they're telling you leave Kerrang and go away to a place that I'll show you. They're not even telling you, they're not even telling you where you're supposed to go. Someone said that longevity brings familiarity. Because if you've lived in Krang for long, you know that if I walk to Woolies, I know where I exactly I get my milk. I know where I'll get the tea bags, where I'll get my ch chocolate. Because you always go there. And some of us, you've lived in your house so long, even at night when you can't see, you can go around to the toilet. But wait until you go to somebody's home at night. And I was looking at this story and asking myself, if I was Abraham, what would I have done if God is asking me to leave my country where I was so comfortable and to go to a place that I don't know? A place I don't know. And I'm trying to imagine Walking home, because I know women, for us men, sometimes we don't dig into details. I'm walking home and talking to Nancy, and the two young men, I'm telling them, God has requested or even commanded us to leave Kenya and go to a place I'm not sure. And she's asking, where? I don't know. How? I don't know. And she's like, that God, he's the same one who asked you to take our son somewhere and he asked you to kill that young man, Isaac. And now he's asking you to take, a, to take us to another place. Who else is, is he going to ask for a sacrifice? I'm not coming with you. I'm trying to picture Sarai because in that particular time, Abraham is telling her a story, but Abraham does not have the details. Abraham 
He's telling this lady, this lady who has been so familiar in this area for so many years. Her friends, her, her craft club, her coffee club, other people. They always meet every once in a, once in a week or, and catch up. And now you're telling her that I want to take you to a place that I don't know. What I'm saying, friends, today, that the will of God does not mean that everything will be smooth and available for us. Because God is God. When God chooses to ask you to fulfill something for him, sometimes he doesn't give you the details. And, and sometimes I, I was asking myself, why? Because sometimes he knows that if you know that there will be bumps ahead, if you know that there will be challenges ahead, if you know that there will be threats ahead, if the Israel, Israelites knew that the Red Sea would be ahead without a bridge, I don't think they would have left Egypt to go to the promised land. And many of us, we are like that. Because you like your family environment. You know, I've been working at this place for 70 years. And God has been telling you, please, it's time to move on. You've outlived your invitation. It's time to move on. I've been here, you know, for 50 years. I've been doing this and this for this number of years. And God is saying, please, this is a time for you to move to the next level. Because at the end of the day, it's not about you, it's about God. And I think many times we forget that it's not about us. We forget that it's not about my family. It's about what God is inviting you to do. And I'm glad that Abraham, or Abraham at that particular time, chose to obey God and leave his place, leave his country, leave his comfortable place and go to the promised place. And you can see, as we read there in verse 10, that actually, famine was there. Those hung and drought. And if you got a, a wrong spouse, that the time they point fingers and tell you, I told you, that was not the will of God. A place was so comfortable. Our place had food. And now you brought me to a place where there's no food, there's hunger. There's nothing. No matter how wise our plans or how capable we are, we are better make certain that we are in the will of God. Jeremiah prayed, prayed this prayer that, Lord, I know that people's lives are not their own. It is not for them to direct their steps. If you want to know why Jeremiah gave that prayer, <clears throat> you need to look at the book of Jeremiah. You understand what Jeremiah was going through. But yet Jeremiah was serving the will of God. 
So today for many of us that you've been dreaming, you've been praying, God has been talking to you. God has been nudging, God has been pushing. I want you to look at this story and rethink your position as we share together this story. <clears throat> In discussing religious ethical ideas, Titus tells us that true religion is central to all Christian ethics. What does he mean by that? We are living in a society that your life, people will watch. That the God you talk about is not about what you do so much. It's not about what they see in you. Somebody wrote a book cold, your God must be too small. Because sometimes when people look at you, your God can be seen so small or your God can be too big. Because we are living in a society that has been messed up. And, 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 and Titus is saying here that the true religion is central to all Christian ethics. In other words, your ethics, you are, the things that you value it's just a matter of time they'll be seen by the people. And I believe as a society, God has given us a power. God has given us a place to change, to influence the, the society that we live in. That the things we carry, the fruit that is in us, the values that we carry in our society today, they should be. What the society is saying, I wish I was like so and so. I wish my marriage was like so and so. I wish, I wish my heart was like this person. I wish my children were like so and so's children because the things that we carry in us, the values that is in us because they're not from anything else apart from God. And that's what I'm saying as a, pray, as a people, as a church, that if the life of Christ is central in us, the life of Christ in us, his will will not be a struggle in us. If we confess that we are born again Christians, if we confess that we have accepted Christ in our lives, if we confess that actually the Bible is what guides us, if we confess that prayer is what we use to walk in our journey, then the fruit will be real in our lives. That people can see in us there's something special about these people. That when we stand, people can see the difference. When you walk somewhere, when you do something, people can see the difference that is in us. So how do we live out this will? I just want to quickly look at through this book of Acts chapter 9 and see how Paul is showing us. He said that we can live God's will by using some of the practical ways God has shown us. <clears throat> and some of these practical things are things like miracles. My friend just shared a testimony this morning. That's a miracle for me. It's practical. Some of us, God has done so much for you in your journey. In the book of Acts chapter 9, verse 3 to 4, it says that as, this is Paul, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. 
He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute my church? I mean, for somebody else, you can say, you know, no, this wasn't God. But this guy, he knew this was a practical thing that you cannot ignore this, this something that happened special for Paul. So there's so much practical things that we can use to live a life that is actually honoring the will of God. Number B, God may speak to you in a vision, in a dream, or sometimes in a voice. If you don't keep ourselves so much busy. You know, sometimes it will take a, a half an hour just to be quiet. Just quiet in the presence of God. Nowadays, it's, very, it's so hard for most of us. Just have your quiet time, no music, no noise, just for yourself. Somewhere. And just, God, you know what? I'm not talking to you. I'm not asking you anything today. I just want to hear your voice today. God may speak to you and I <clears throat> and guide you with a miracle which I've just talked about. The, that God will speak to us and guide us through his word as he did with Apostle Paul. Read the message. Read the Bible. Sometimes you read a verse like it makes so much sense. How come I never knew this 10 years ago? But sometime 10 years ago, you actually did not need that verse. It just happened that when you're reading it, this is the time you need that particular verse. And it makes so much sense at this particular time. <clears throat> much of us, the will of God for our lives is found in the Bible. And if you're not reading it, you're missing it out. It's in the Bible there. But the devil is so happy because sometimes you have even 10 versions of the Bible in your house. I can tell you I have several versions, but I rarely use most of them. I've seen some people when you're driving, you have your Bible somewhere in the car there. It can stay there and gather some dust for many years. And yet the will of God is last lying inside there for your life in that particular Bible. The second thing I want us to think about is we can, live God's we can live God's will by using his promises. The Lord promised to tell Saul what he must do. And he says in verse 6 uh, there that now get up and go into the city and, I will be, and you will be told what you must do. That was a promise. And, and, and for Paul, I think, which can happen to many of us, if you, if you read the story, Paul, first of all, he was blind. Because I want to believe that if Paul's eyes were still looking, he would still think of the familiar things. He would want to still want to hang on the familiar things, but sometimes you need God to give you blackout. And just shut Paul's eyes and say, no, 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 no. Think afresh. So this is Paul now trying to find his way. And he's being told, it's not me dealing with you, Paul. You go to the place that somebody will show you what you need to do. 
So God promises Paul there, you go. And you'll be told what you must do. <clears throat> and the same Paul now, apostle, writing to the Ephesians, say that for we are God's handwork, created in Christ Jesus to do the good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God has already promised each one of us something. But it's just waiting for you and I to take a step. Like I said, whether it's in the Red Sea, he wants you to step out by faith and do something for yourself. See, God has a plan for our lives. And the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun, whatever, scorched land. And he will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like spring whose waters are never will never fail. But I mean, these guys were going through a very tough time. But Isaiah is reminding them to still hold on to God's promise. God's promise. Hold on to God's promise. In the mix of challenges, as you go through life and the bumps and the, and the, and the challenges are there, the promise is what keeps us going. God, I know you said this. I remember those days growing up. We never had three meals sometimes. We had only one meal. And one of the verses that we, I remember we used to talk about, it's in the Bible, I think it's somewhere in Psalm. That I was a child and now I'm old, that I've never seen a child of God go hungry. My wife is reminding me, I was just paraphrasing. You memorized it. I was young, but I'm old, but never seen the righteous forsaken or begging for bread. I've never seen the righteous begging for bread. And sometimes you, there's only one meal at home, and you're telling God, I've never seen the righteous begging for bread. You know, you're speaking in tongues or you're, wherever you're talking, you're walking on the road, and you're just praying, God. But you know at home there's only one meal. And that meal can only be eaten at dinner time. So lunch time you have to survive. In the morning you have to survive. But it kept us going. <clears throat> it kept us running. I remember in Townsville, that was not even a long time ago, in Townsville, this lady, she was doing her uni program. The, other, the boys were at school. And we ran into a bit of trouble financially. Because the pot was just a little bit big. And you throw in what you are trying to get, but it's, it just runs empty. We, uh, we get something, we throw in there, but there's nothing. You know those times when you, you're looking at your pocket, whether there are holes in your pocket? Like I, got, I thought I had money on this card, but it's telling you, sorry, your transaction cannot be finished. You're thinking, maybe I put in the wrong password. You try again. It shows, sorry, this transaction cannot be finished. Cancelled. Please try again or talk to your bank. And I remember a friend of mine told me, 
And that was very, very painful. But I took it very positively. He told me, you know, you guys serve God. You're so faithful. You serve in the church. How come God is not giving you money? He's letting you down. Yeah, she remembers the story. And this is a brother in church. Somebody who's meant to encourage me, he's telling me that how come God is letting you down financially? But I had to hold on to God's promise because I know God's promise. I knew that, yes, we need a little bit more money. We were financially down, but we had to hold on God's promise. I want to encourage you. When those moments come, when you're feeling so discouraged, when the challenges come, things are not working so properly, hold on to God's promise. That will keep you going. Hold on to God's promise. <clears throat> we can live God's will through the leading of his people. You can look at that from verse 10 to 15, that when God, and read a read letter, when God was speaking to Saul and telling him that he would show him his will, God also took Ananias and used Ananias to confirm his will. You know, the trouble we have as Christians, when things are happening, you don't want to tell somebody. You don't share with people. You, okay, you don't have to share with everybody, but get somebody, talk to somebody. Share with a friend who is a Christian. Share with somebody that can stand with you in prayer and encourage you. And sometimes you want to put up a smile and, 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 and ensure that you are strong and everything is okay. But I say, it's okay. We, we can't, you can't be strong in everything. If it's hard, it's hard. If it's tough, it's tough. Get a friend that you can confine and, and, and share something with them in confidence. Talk to somebody. I was talking the other week, the other day, and I was telling you, my wife, my wife's, uh, sorry, my brother's wife, brother, my brother's wife, brother, committed suicide. And because life was so hard for him, he had children with no job. But he never talked to anybody. The people were trying to ring him and nobody. He, wanted, he didn't want to talk to anybody. And, and sometimes you carry things so much in yourself, alone. Paul had to swallow, then Saul. He had to swallow his pride. He had to swallow whatever he was carrying and go and talk to this young man, this guy called Ananias. This guy, though even scared of Saul himself, that he might come and kill them. But they had to swallow and say, you know what? I know you have a message for me. And I'm glad this guy is calling him Brother Saul. Not the killer, not the murderer. Because if I were me, I would be running away from him. I wouldn't even stay and wait for him to talk to him. It has to be God himself breathing fire on me for somebody who has been persecuting the church, somebody who's been torturing the church, for me to stand there and tell him, my friend, receive the healing in the name of Jesus. May your eyes see again. It's not easy. But this guy had to do it because he honored God and Saul was a different person. <clears throat> Proverbs 24 verse 6 says that surely you need guidance to wage war and victory is won through many devices. It's a proverb, but it has a lot of sense. 
and seek advice from your friends. Maybe it's a, a new series, Prado. Uh, I know Brandon is looking at me there. If you're planning to buy the new Land Cruiser 300 series, consult. <laughs> I just, it's a joke. <laughs> I mean, it's good to consult. You know, sometimes you feel, oh, maybe, is it the will of God? Is it not? Um, but what do I do? I mean, just talk, talk to people, talk to, you, talk to your wife. Not everybody. <laughs> and sometimes God is speaking to you about something he will often confirm into somebody else. I've seen that many times. Sometimes somebody will tell you exactly what God is telling to them. And we should never be so proud or arrogant that we are afraid of cans of other people. Talk to a Christian friend or a counselor for guidance. <clears throat> the last thing I want to share with us is when we can leave the will of God through the leadership of the Holy Spirit. This is so important because the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anybody. And I want to believe that this was the power of the Holy Spirit at work at that particular time. And it says, the Bible says, from time to time, the Holy Spirit of God was leading Paul to do ministry. Because Paul came to a place, he understood that, yes, I was doing things in the flesh. I was doing things as a religious person, but now I need this. And he took kindly the power of the Holy Spirit to lead him and guide him through the journey. It was the same man who wrote Romans 8.14. He says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Because the things you are doing are not for you, the things of God. If you are led by the Spirit, you are doing the things of God. If you are led by yourself, you are doing things for yourself. He also wrote in Galatians chapter 5, verse 18, but if you are led by the Holy Spirit, you're not under the law. It doesn't mean that you don't obey the law. It just means that you are a bit wiser. You're a bit higher than the law. Because the, the law says do not kill in your heart, even thinking about murdering. Murder is not even in your heart. <clears throat> The Spirit of God will lead you and you'll hear his voice. He says in John chapter 10 verse 27 that my sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they'll follow me. My prayer today as a church that let us spend more time with God so that we can listen and become sensitive enough that we can hear his spirit and know his voice. If we don't do that as a church, if we don't spend time with him, if we don't listen, if we don't take time to listen to what he's saying, the rest will be our own business. It will be our will, but not his will. And the last thing the Holy Spirit will do there is to give us wisdom. Sometimes when you, when you don't understand exactly what you need to do in these situations, I've, I've, I've had even people before ask me, please pray for wisdom. And we always prayed for the Holy Spirit to guide. 
and lead. Your friends can advise you. Your friends can help you. But your friends will not give you wisdom. Wisdom comes from above, from the Holy Spirit. Your friends can give you counsel, pastoral counsel, or whatever counsel, but wisdom is from God. It's important to realize that we are living in a time where there is great collision of values. Mass communications, primarily social media and television, confront us with these conflicts every day. Christians are not in a position to escape the turmoil of our times. But we can stand for God's eternal values in the midst of the world's changing values and social integration. Disintegration, sorry. My wife is correcting me. Number one, don't be afraid of the will of God. Don't be afraid. Sometimes these things can be scary. I think of people like Mary. When you're told you're going to be pregnant and the baby is not for Joseph, this can be scary. This can be embarrassing sometimes. But Mary was not afraid. Yes, was she nervous at some point? She was. She was scared, but she took it on. And that's why we celebrate Christmas because of Mary's boldness. So don't be afraid of God's will. And sometimes when God is sending you somewhere, he knows why. But many times we want God to tick the boxes. Okay, God, tell me where. How much do I need to have before I get there? Okay, can I have, will my family have a car before we get there? All right. Um, Do they have international schools before we get there because I have children in school? Are there universities around? Uh, I like to shop at Myers. Do they have a Myers shop before I get there? Um, I like markers a lot to have there. Do they have a markers or at least Hungry Jacks? At least. You know, so you, you, you give God so many boxes to tick before you leave. I'm saying don't be afraid. If God has asked you to do it, he knows why he's going to look after you. He'll take care of it. The will of God will not take you to where the power of God cannot keep you. That's what somebody said. That the will of God will not take you where the power of God cannot keep you. They'll be fending like, like uh, they be hunger like some places and terrorism threats some places for those of us who do missionary work. They will be there. There'll be financial challenges. There'll be different food when you get there. Some of these places you go there and you find that early. Uh, <clears throat> I saw somebody, um, I saw somebody that put on Facebook, they went somewhere and they were given crabs and they've never eaten crabs in their lives. And the person was playing, uh, well cooked on a, on, a, on, a, on a table, crabs and some few things have added on top. It's like, God, I know it's a nice food, but I don't think this is me to eat this. You know, God will take you places. Their meal is slightly different from what you are so used to at your place. The best way to live the will of God for, your, for the rest of your life is to do the will of God right now. Start doing it. Don't wait for tomorrow. 
start doing it. Because God is already working. God is not waiting for you. God works every time. God is moving and his plan and his purposes are happening. But he wants you to partner with him. He wants us to join with him together. Someone said that it's hard to steer a ship that is not moving. And some of us, we are like that. You know, you, you are saying, okay, I'll do it tomorrow. I feel, that, I feel like the spirit of God is, is saying, but I'm not sure there's a spirit or it's just me. You know, you, 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 you're working around it. I'm saying the spirit of God is the spirit of God. If you're interested in having the spirit of the will of God in your life, then the first step to know is to start with Jesus. And this is for those of us who have never, never given their life to Christ. Or you did it and you walked back. My prayer today is that you step, take a step and move forward and have your place in Christ. So as I finish, I want to call the worship team to come. And let me ask all of us to stand on our feet this morning. If you can stand up, those of us are able to stand. I want you to pray for yourself. I want you to think about yourself. What is it that God is asking you to do for the last few years? For some of us, God has been asking you to help us with the children ministry. And I know Elisha has been asking, we need people to help with the kids ministry. My sister here has been working with the youth like we need people to help us with the youth there's so many things that we can help in the ministry and this is just here it could be in your marriage it could be in your place of work it could be in other relationships some of us God has been calling you to reach out to somebody that has never heard the message of Christ I want to ask you and encourage you today Stop asking about his will. Ask him to live, to start living that will. Lord, I thank you today. And Lord, I want to pray because many of us are at crossroads. Many of us are stuck at a place where we are asking, how do I even know your will? How do I even know that this is you? And I pray today that God, may you reveal yourself to them and help them to see and understand that it's you that you're doing what you're doing, Father. There are so many dreams in this home that have been gathering dust on the shelves. There are visions in this room that have been gathering dust on the shelves. There are books that ought to be written that haven't been written. The engineers, there's so many people in this room, but they don't even know how to start. I want to pray that through your Holy Spirit, that you help us and guide us to rise up and fulfill that that you've given to us, O oh God. So today we thank you and we commit this service to you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Fred. We're going to sing this next <clears throat> one, which is, May the mind of Christ, my Savior, live in me from day to day. This is really a prayer.
So let's not just sing it. It's not just something to do. Let's pray it as we sing it. Let's pray this as a prayer.